God's voice. Hearing God's voice. Does God still speak to us today? And if so, how? And if he does, how in the world do we know that it's him and not the nachos that you had at like midnight last night? All great questions. Let me try to answer the very beginning of that with a story. Eleven years ago, Father's Day, Sunday morning, I'm sitting in a church service, church I worked at, Calvary Church over on Beltline. I was the youth pastor at the time. Uh, My good friend Jim Samra is the senior pastor. He's preaching. Uh, He's preaching on 1 Corinthians 12, a message, a passage I just preached on a couple weeks ago. He says to everybody at the beginning, this is not specifically a Father's Day message, but dads, you especially, just pay attention to see if God has anything to say to you. I'm like, all right, that's cool. I can totally do that. Um, He's teaching about the gifts that the Spirit gives to his people to build up the body of Christ, the church. I'm like, yo, I'm down, right? Like, I'm all about that. And quite honestly, I'm a pastor. I'm kind of using all the gifts God's given me to build up the church already. So I'm kind of thinking like, all right, this is not so much for me as it is for other folks here. In fact, I'm even praying about that. Like, I'm just like, all right, God, like folks that need to hear this, like let them hear this, Lord. And um, as we're going and he's talking, I'm even trying to have more of a conversation with God. Like, all right, God, like, you know, I'd like to do woodworking. You, what you need me to build your new pulpit? All right, I can do that. Just tell, give me the word. I used to train police dogs. So I'm like, God, you need, a, you need an attack dog to be on the stage, like protect Pastor Jim. Like, I'm down. Like, I will do that for you. And, and God's like, man, I don't need any of those things from you. And I'm just, just chilling, right? So we get to the end of the message. Jim says, and he didn't always say this, but this particular occasion says, hey, we're going to take a minute. We're just going to be silent. We're just going to listen to see if the Spirit has anything to say to you. So I'm like, all right, cool. So uh, I close my eyes, and I just say, God, I'm here. And I'm not expecting anything, right? Because like, I'm like, I already, I'm a pastor. I already do this stuff. And God speaks into my mind so clearly that it was as if a voice was literally outside of my ears. Now, it wasn't. It was all internal. God said, I want you to adopt Danelle. So a little bit of backstory, context. Um, I grew up in a large family with a number of adopted brothers and sisters, and I thought someday maybe God would call Brenda and I to adopt. Uh, But a number of the brothers and sisters that my parents had adopted, uh, and my mom and stepdad uh, later, um, had special needs. And I loved it. I loved growing up with my brothers and sisters that had special needs. In fact, I, I really loved it. But I was like... I, that's my mom can do that. I can't do that. Like, that's not like, Lord, maybe someday I'll be willing to adopt, but no one with special needs can't do that. Uh, my mom and stepdad had adopted um, Danelle's uh, older sister. Uh, his parents weren't able to take care of him. He was born three months premature. He was in the hospital. Um, they anticipated that he was going to have some uh, lifelong uh, uh, struggles with, with different medical things. My mom and, and, and my stepdad were the closest thing he had to family, and so they were visiting him in the hospital, just a little tiny peanut of a boy. And uh, they would show us pictures every now and then, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. And they said, oh, you guys should, you guys should think about adopting him. Ha, ha, ha. They said that to, like, all my brothers and sisters, okay? Because they didn't think that they could. Um, they assumed that he's going to uh, have a full life expectancy, and they're a little bit older, and so... And then God said, I want you to adopt him. And I was like, hey, God, 
um, I already told you, I'm willing to adopt, but, but I can't handle anybody with special needs. Like, that's just not my gig. Like, that's not my thing. Have you ever had a, a moment where you're talking in your head? It's probably literally like five seconds in real time, but it feels like five minutes. God says, no, I want you to adopt Danelle. So then I started listing all the reasons. Like, God, we got three kids, all right? Five, three, and barely one, all right? Like, it's already a madhouse in my place. Like, can't handle a fourth. Like, that's too much. And God, you know about this, and you know about this, and you know about this. And, uh, and God says, yeah, that's just all you. I want you to adopt Danelle. And I say to God, all right, you know what? Fine. Fine. I'm willing. I'm willing. I know all that. You're saying it. I'm willing. But I'm not telling Brenda. You have to tell her. <laughs> That's what I told God. I was like, I'm not telling my wife. You tell her. All right? We already got three kids. Uh, I, I, I'll, I'll do it. But you got to tell Brenda. You know what? Um, we got done a little time. I looked at Brenda because I'm thinking like she's having this exact same conversation as me. And I'm like, hey, baby, did God say anything to you? She's like, uh, I don't know. Like maybe I'm supposed to help out in the kids ministry a little bit more. I'm like, wait, for real? Like nothing? <laughs> like you got nothing else? She's like, why? Did you think he said something to you? I was like, maybe we can talk about it later. Now, normally if I said something like that, she'd be like, what? Tell me like now. She didn't. She let it go. We didn't talk about it later or the rest of that week, or the next week. And this whole time, I'm feeling more and more like God is like telling me, I told you. And then I went away on a mission trip for two weeks with some high school students. Still nothing. It was a month and a half later that God finally confirmed to Brenda that this is what we were supposed to do. And now we have our awesome son, Max. If you were to ask me, do I believe that God still speaks? I would tell you absolutely 100% yes, because he speaks to me. Now, there's a couple of ways that I think God actually speaks to us. Uh, first and foremost is through his word. It's literally why we call it the word of God. All right, God speaks to us through his Bible, okay? Uh, there's all kinds of things that God's word makes very, very clear for us. But most importantly, who God is and what God desires of us. The fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose back to life and that we can actually have a relationship with God if we believe and put our faith in his death and resurrection. If we invite him to come into our lives. When we do that, like that's that, that the most important things that a person can know are laid out in scripture. But you know what? Scripture's still limited. Okay? I would love it if every single one of us, like you got born and like you come out of your mother's womb and you're holding a book, okay? And like, it's got everything you're supposed to do, all right? Your book, all right? Now maybe it would just like, I don't know, be downloaded into a cloud somewhere. But that would be like amazing, right? Like we would, you would know, but God didn't set it up that way. You see, scripture is limited. It can tell you the type of person you're supposed to marry, but it can't tell you the name of the person. It can tell you the, the type of job you should train for, but it can't tell you the company that you should work for. This is why we need a God who has not simply set the world spinning and then walked away, but a God who is still present in our lives that wants to interact with us and speak to us and talk with us. So God speaks to his word, but then God also speaks to our minds through his Holy Spirit who indwells us. This is one of the reasons that it actually is best that Jesus left. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus was still here? 
Like, on the one hand, it'd be kind of cool. Like, you might be able to actually go to, like, a big, like, concert someplace and see Jesus, you know? Like, he might preach to you. You might have, like, the Jesus all-day channel on YouTube. You know, you can, like, watch it. But really, the problem would be that we all got questions for Jesus, right? And Jesus is a hard worker, right? So I'm guessing homeboy's putting in, like, 12, maybe 13 hours a day, right? Six days a week. You know, he's taking Sundays off. But he's working hard. What's he doing? He's just answering our questions. Like, we got all kinds of questions. That'd be a problem, though. You, how are you going to ask him a question? you got to send him an email, probably. Right? You shoot, that, you shoot him an email. There's millions of Christians that have questions every day. You know how long it's going to take for him to get back to you? Right? Weeks, months maybe. How awesome is that he left? And he sent a spirit that indwells us, God himself, his power and presence inside of us that desires to speak to us. You're like, yeah, that's cool. But if God speaks to us, isn't that really subjective? Isn't that like a really, like how do you know it's God's voice? How am I supposed to know that that's actually what God wants me to do rather than like maybe a different voice, maybe the voice of the world, maybe my own selfishness, maybe it's a father wound that I have that I'm trying to compensate for. Maybe it's just those bad nachos that I ate at midnight. How do I know that it's actually God's voice? That's what I want to talk about today. You see, I think that God set it up this way on purpose. I think that God set it up this way on purpose because what God is after in our lives is relationship, conversation, intimacy, and depth. Uh, in fact, uh, John Mark Comer says this. He says, God is after a loving, even intimate relationship with you and I, and at the heart of every good relationship is conversation. Man, man I think this is so true. I think of my relationship with Brenda. God, I love Brenda. I love raising our kids together. I love going out for walks together, watching a good movie together, eating good food together. We love having sex with my wife. I love enjoying all the things that come with. But you want to know the truth? The highlights of my relationship with Brenda always revolve around conversations. When I look back on my marriage, the reason that it has the depth, the beauty, the intimacy and maturity, it's because of the conversation where we share dreams and our hearts and, and our fears and, and, our, and our, our failures and we experience grace. The times when we can talk about the ways that we make each other better and what we desire for our kids, like all of that, like that's what makes our relationship great. It's the conversations we have. And I think the same thing is true in our relationship with God. God wants to interact with us. He wants that depth of relationship. So what I want to do this morning is briefly talk about three things. We're going to fly through them, okay? Because of the end of our time, I'm going to bring up uh, my mentor, uh, Dr. Philip Bustrom. Phil, is, uh, he's been my mentor for the last 20 years. And a lot of what I have learned about how to hear God's voice, I've learned from him. I don't know anybody that has the kind of depth of intimacy and relationship. Like Phil sometimes even has a hard time describing it because it's just so natural and normal to him, but I'm going to make him describe it in a little bit. So here's what I'd like to do. Three things. One, I want to talk about some ways that God speaks to us today. Then I want to discuss how to know if that's really God. All right. How do we know if it's really his voice? How do we have discernment in that? And then four places to hear God's voice. All right. So number one, ways that the spirit speaks to us. Now, I already told you, first and foremost, God speaks to us through his word, the Bible, okay? Now, there are a ton of things that God's word tells us very specifically on how we're to live, 
uh, what we're supposed to do. All of that is there and it's good and it's valuable. But I want to tell you another reason why God's word is so important. Another reason why God's word is so important is because not only does it answer a lot of our questions, but it helps us recognize God's voice. Look, if, uh, if my mom walked out of the backstage over there and she yelled my name, I would, without seeing her, instantly know that it was my mom, wouldn't I? Why? Because I've heard my mom yell my name a whole bunch of times, all right? I would especially know that it's my mom if she's like, touring Christopher Scott, why didn't you make your bed this morning? Why are there still toys? Like, all right, I would know. Why? Because that's the kind of stuff my mom says. Actually, it's not the kind of stuff my mom says anymore. Honestly, if my mom walked in and she said, Torin, I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. And she gets a little emotional. Like, I would know that's my mom because that's the kind of stuff my mom says to me. The same thing is true of God. Uh, the more that we engage in God's word, where we know this is what he says, the more we begin to recognize what his voice sounds like. God is a person who has a voice that you can learn to recognize. John chapter 10, flip over there. Uh, we learn this from Jesus. Jesus actually says this. John chapter 10, uh, read with me, starting in verse 3. Jesus is speaking. He says, the gatekeeper opens the gate for him, talking about Jesus himself, and the sheep listen, excuse me, to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought them out all his own. When he has brought out all his own, excuse me, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Flip over to verse 14. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep. And he's talking about us Gentiles. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. If you were to go to Israel today, you would still see shepherds leading their sheep just like this. I've heard people describe literally watching uh, a couple of shepherds that had taken their flocks, their two different flocks, into a cave to get them out of the elements for a time. And all the sheep are in there, and they're all intermingled. And then when the weather lets up, one of the shepherds walks out of the cave, and he just starts walking and calling his sheep. And it's crazy. All the sheep are intermingled, all right? And that shepherd's sheep will, one by one, come out of the cave and start following their shepherd. None of the other sheep do. Sheep are dumb. Okay, they're not the like smartest animals in the world. All right, you'd think that they would just be like, somebody's going, I'm gonna walk, but they don't. They only go where the shepherd is. They know the shepherd's voice. To this day, it still happens like that. But God has a voice. That's what his word helps us understand what he says, what it sounds like, so that we can begin to identify when it's his voice and when it's our voice. So God speaks through his word but God also speaks through his spirit. God's spirit wants to speak to us. Now, there's a number of ways. This is not an exhaustive list, but let me give you a few things just real quick that will help you know and recognize some types of ways God speaks. Number one, he speaks through prophecy. There's a time when God will speak into your mind a word for somebody else. Uh, also, these can be a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom. Sometimes someone will have one for you. Sometimes God might give you one for someone else. There's also dreams and visions. Peter had a vision from God in Acts where God spoke to him. 
I actually believe God gave me a vision for our church last week. And I thought it was for me to share last Sunday. And uh, due to some circumstances, I felt like God asked me to hold off. Um, I got more discernment. I listened to some folks to say like, hey, I think this is what God gave me for our church. And, and it was affirmed. And I'm going to share that with you at the end of our time today. Uh, God also speaks through intuition. There's times when you just know this is what God is asking you to do. Uh, we see this with um, Paul in his missionary journey. Sometimes God told Paul specifically where to go. There were other times where Paul just had a sense in his heart that this is where he was supposed to travel to next. The last thing in the way that God most often speaks to us today is through listening prayer. Times when we are purposefully asking God to speak to us and we're getting quiet enough, unhurried enough to listen to his voice. Now, that brings up the great question, though, how in the world do we know that this is actually God's voice? Uh, in 1969, there's a church in Los Angeles where the senior pastor moved his entire congregation to Missouri from L.A. because the pastor said that God told him that Los Angeles was going to be destroyed in 15 years. It's well over 15 years since 1969, and L.A. is still going very, very strong. Another pastor um, had some drug dealers come to him and ask if they could use his church to launder money. The pastor decided that he would pray and ask God what God thought. And at his arraignment, he said, God told me that this was okay as long as I used the money to pay down the church's debt. Was that from God? Uh, another man believed that God told him that he should be circumcised and that he should do it himself. I don't know God like that well, but I promise you that is not the voice of God. So how do we know? How do we know if it's my desire, right, or God's? Is it my voice or God's? Is it a father wound that I carry with me? Is it something that happened in my past? Or is it God's voice? How do I know? Um, so I think there's two questions that we want to ask. The first question we've already talked about a little bit, does it line up with Scripture? God's never going to contradict his word. If it's illegal, immoral, unbiblical, it's not from God. I promise you that that pastor did not hear the voice of God when the drug dealer said, hey, would you help us launder some money? You get a cut. That's not from God. God doesn't speak that way. The second question that we need to ask is, does it sound like Jesus? Does it sound like Jesus? Now, this is where it gets like, well, that, but that's really subjective. How do I know? Well, first and foremost, we spend time in God's word, right? We get to recognize what his voice sounds like. What I'd like to do is give you six ways that God speaks in his word that will help you identify when it's the voice of Jesus. Six ways that God kind of speaks. Now, um, these all come from a book. From Jim Samra, my buddy, Dr. Samra, he, he's a, a good friend. He's a pastor over at Calvary Church. It's a book um, that is called God Told Me. I think there's a picture of it that we've got. It's not up there anymore, but that's okay. It's called God Told Me. Literally, that's the name of it, okay? God Told Me. So there's these six things. Number one, uh, that he talks about, God calls us to trust him more. God calls us to trust him more. I think there's a slide for that one. Should be up there. God calls us to trust him more. We rebooted our thing. So if some stuff's not up there, you're just going to have to trust me 
That's what it is. So uh, if you look back in the Old Testament, there's a dude named Gideon, okay? Gideon is uh, a judge that God has called to help lead Israel. Uh, Gideon's supposed to fight against the Midianites. There's tens upon tens of thousands of the Midianites that are lining up to fight Israel. Gideon calls for all the fighting men in uh, Israel to come and be prepared to fight the Midianites. There's 32,000 of these folks, 32,000 of them. God says that's too many. Gideon's like, it ain't enough, bro. Like, it's not too many. This is not enough. And God's like, no, no, that's too many. Because if they fight and win, they're going to think it's because they're awesome. I want you to know that it's because of me. And so uh, Gideon's like, fine. 22,000 of them leave. There's 10,000 left. God says, still too many. Gideon's like, are you kidding me? Some more leave. God says, still too many. God literally says, uh, make those that are left drink from the stream. The ones that stick their face down in the water and drink. All right, send them home. Just get the ones that scooped it up. 300 dudes left. That's it, 300. And God uses 300 men to defeat this horde of Midianite armed men. God brings an amazing battle. Now, there's all kinds of stories I would love to tell you. I don't have time. But this is what uh, Samra says. He says, the reason God often leads us down scarier, dangerous, unwise paths is that we grow in our faith when we travel these roads. I can't tell you how many times God has said to do something that just didn't seem wise to me or seemed scary to me, and God met me in that place because he actually wanted to grow my faith. If God asks you to do something, he's like, man, I don't, like, that doesn't, that sounds dangerous or unwise. That sounds like the voice of God. Now, I'm not saying God's telling you to go do stupid stuff, crazy stuff, all right? Satan told Jesus to throw himself off the top of the temple, and Jesus was like, nah, nah, that's not from God. But when God sometimes comes and says, I'm asking you to do something that may be a little scary, that is often the voice of God. Number two, God tells us to humbly, sacrif- uh, to humbly and sacrificially love others. Uh, Romans chapter 13. You can flip over there real quick. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. Romans chapter 13, verse 8 says, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt of love to one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. This is exactly why God called Brenda and I to adopt Max. Because God was calling us to go outside of ourselves, do something we didn't think that we could do, but in that was sacrificial love. Now I'll tell you, we've received way more by trusting that what God has for our family is actually better for us. We've received way more than anything we've ever given. I can't even, ah, I wish I could like, I wish I could let you in to my heart, to understand how true that is. All right. My son's in the front row, so. All right. Um, It's also why God asked uh, Craig and Jeannie and Eric and Emily and the Britons and the McGoverns and the Zorhoffs and others in our church to do the same thing. There's just something that happens um, when we humbly and sacrificially open ourselves up and say, God, 
If you sense God is calling you to do something that is like weird, crazy, generous, that sounds like the voice of God. If you, if you sense God is asking you to do something that you wouldn't have come up with yourself, that's uh, humbling for someone else. That sounds like the voice of God. If there's a sacrifice God's calling you to make that you wouldn't normally do, right, because you're like me, selfish, that sounds like the voice of Jesus. Number three, God supports his social structures, okay? Uh, Samer says, therefore, one of the distinguishing characteristics of God's voice is that he directs us in ways that strengthen the social structures that he's ordained. God's guidance also supports the leaders he's placed in these structures. Uh, we see this in Galatians 2. We see this in Acts 8. Um, I don't have time to get into all that. God often speaks to us from parents to children, from pastors and elders to the congregation, through our spouses to one another, through our spiritual communities that we're actually in real, genuine, biblical community. God supports his church. God supports the family and marriage. Let me give you one little example of a time that this happened. Um, you guys know Austin. He was up here giving announcements. He's on staff with us. Austin uh, felt a calling from God to go into ministry. It's what he actually studied when he was in college. Austin was born and raised in Indiana, went to school in Indiana. All of his ministry contacts and opportunities for a job after college were in Indiana. His wife uh, had a calling from God to become a physician's assistant, a PA. She had two schools that she was looking at. Uh, one was in Indiana, one was in Grand Rapids. She actually got into both schools, but she really felt like GVSU was her dream school, that it just met like what she wanted to do, the, the, the program, all of it. But Austin was like, yo, I don't really, I don't know nobody in GR. Like God's called me to ministry too. Like you've got a calling and I've got a calling. You've got a school in Indiana that's willing to take you. Why don't we stay here? I got way more opportunities to be able to like get a job in Indiana than I do in GR. But Austin also understood that God often speaks through the social structures he set up and the social structure of marriage where as a husband, he's called to sacrifice his life just like Jesus did for the church he's supposed to do for his wife. And so instead of saying, hey, you really should choose this one because it's going to be better for me, he says, you know what? Let's go where it's going to be best for you. And I'll trust that God's going to make it work. And so even though he had zero connections or opportunities in Grand Rapids, he and Olivia moved to GR. And uh, he, he gave me this quote. It says, I wound up getting a fun job in ministry for a year and then was hired by the greatest boss I've ever worked for in my entire life and I know I will never work for a better boss the rest of my earthly existence. I'm so glad Torrance Scott is my boss. Now, I don't know if he said it exactly like that, but like it was pretty much like verbatim what his heart really wanted to share. So thank you for that, Austin. It's really kind. Look, God does, <laughs> God does meet us in those places, Okay. Because God wants to work through the structures that he set up. Number four, God doesn't work in confusion. All right, there's some ways you know these are the things that sound like God. This is a thing that doesn't sound like God. We're reminded in John 8, that uh, Satan is the father of lies. Okay? God doesn't work through deceit. He doesn't work through lies. You're like, God, should I cheat on this test because I really need to get an A? Because if I get an A on this test, I'm going to get an A in the class, and then I'm going to get into the program that I know you've called me to be in. No, God's not going to tell you to lie. God's not going to say that that's cool, that's okay. I mean, God also doesn't work through confusion. 
Uh, Jim tells a story of this one guy um, who he had been praying all along in his dating relationship, felt like God was saying, this is the girl you're supposed to marry. Uh, God seemed to confirm that in a whole number of ways. They get engaged. It's two weeks before their wedding, and all of a sudden he's just like getting some cold feet. Not, not an uncommon experience for folks. And at the same time, out of nowhere, an ex-girlfriend reaches out to him on Facebook. And he went to Jim, and he's like, Dude, I don't know, man. I've been having these like just I've been having these questions, Jim, and uh, and then like my ex, she reached out from nowhere. Like, isn't that a sign? And Jim's like, Yeah, that Satan's trying to mess this thing up because that's not how God works. That's not the voice of God. Now, if you hadn't been praying at all the whole time you were dating and you didn't ask God anything or any of the people that God's put in your life to help you live a godly life and you got engaged, then maybe, okay? But if you've been praying about it, you've been seeking God's face and God has confirmed it all the way and then at the very end, all of a sudden, God's not gonna throw in something that's gonna be, God doesn't work in confusion. Number five, God tells us not to fear. One of the most uh, often things God says to his people is do not fear. Joshua 1.8 or 1.9 says, do not be discouraged, do not be afraid. God said the same thing to Paul in Acts 18. Jesus said to his disciples, just because it's scary doesn't mean it's from God. Uh, my wife's not a huge fan of this particular quote, but I love it, okay? It's when uh, they're talking about Aslan the lion, and uh, they say, he is good, but he is not safe, following Jesus. Now, Is God a place of safety and refuge? Absolutely. He is, baby. Place of refuge. Okay. But there is something that can be very scary about following God. God doesn't always just put you in the nicest, easiest things. In fact, quite honestly, if God's calling you out of a place of comfort and you don't like change, that is probably the voice of God. Right, Because God wants us to realize that it's not something that we can just create on our own. We've got great insurance and great this and all this stuff set up and I like my thing and my job and how I do things and I drive to work and I get my coffee here and this happens. And God might be saying, yeah, and I need to shake you out of that because you've started to trust in your own power, your own strength rather than in me. Number six, God says unexpected and mysterious things. Isaiah 55, 8-9 reminds us that God's ways and thoughts are far beyond our ways and thoughts. Um, God did this to me just this, just this past week. Uh, it was a guy that I had bought something from. Um, he lied to me about pieces of it. Something was broken, cost me a whole, 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 whole lot of money that I didn't have. And uh, it's been going on for a few months now. And for a while, God's been telling me, you need to forgive him and you need to release him of this debt that he owes to you. And I was like, but God, that's not cool. He's a brother in Christ. At least he claims to be. What he did wasn't right. God, he ought to make it right. And God said, I know, but that's my job, not yours. Your job is to forgive. I have not let it go. I've tried to forgive but it really wasn't forgiveness. I was saying it, okay? But really what I wanted is to, to forgive him but still hold him to, to do what he ought to do. And I was literally preparing this yesterday and God told me, write him and forgive him. And so I did. I finally wrote him and I said, hey, what happened I don't think was what God would desire, but I want you to know I forgive you. And if you ever 
make it right, it will be because God has asked you, not because me, I hold you harmless now. I forgive you fully and completely. And if, if I were to see you any more times, as long as God has us on this earth together, I'll be thrilled to see you. And when we see each other in heaven, which will happen one day, I'll be even more thrilled to see you. And I left it at that. Man, can I tell you how hard it was to hit send? <laughs> but when I did, how great I felt too. Because I was reminded, man, God's forgiven me for way more. Way more. Not only that, but everything I have comes from him anyway. God will sometimes say unexpected and mysterious things. He once asked me to tie a guy's shoes in Starbucks. Weird, no idea why, right? A lot of different things that God said over the times. Um, I want to give you four places that we hear God's voice, but I wanna, I'm going to hit them quick, all right? Number one, in his word. That's first and foremost. That's the place. So we need to set aside daily time to read God's word. If you're too busy to spend 15 to 20 minutes a day in God's word, then you're just flat out too busy, all right? You can't be mad if you're like, God, it doesn't ever speak to me. Well, you're not trying to listen. You're not trying to like, I'm sorry. Like I, like I want to be a nice, gentle pastor right now, but I'm just like, hey, don't, don't say you want to get fit when all you do is sit and watch Netflix and eat donuts, okay? Like I get it. I want to be fit too, but like it takes more than that, all right? Was that harsh? Maybe a little bit, but that's okay. Memorize some short scriptures that will remind you what God is like. Number two, in silence and solitude. Another place that you will hear God's voice is in silence and solitude. When are you ever silent and slow? When do you ever have the TV, the radio, your phone, and Apple Watch off at the same time? I wrestle with this, man. I like If I'm in the car, the radio's on. If I'm at the office, my computer's usually open, my phone's almost always on me. It's very rare that I have all those things off. I've started trying to work at doing it in the mornings. One of the things I've been working on with my trellis with my small group guys, say before I look at my phone or turn on a computer, I spend time with a cup of coffee in God's word and I read and I try to listen. Silence and solitude. Third place that you are likely to hear God's voice is in church. In church. Um, I will tell you many of the times that I've had some of the most profound encounters with God in times that he's wanted to say something to me have happened when I've been at church. Sometimes it has been nothing to do with what the pastor has said. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I tell God every week, like, God, I'll suck if you'll use it. Seriously, I, that's a literal prayer I pray. God, I'll suck as a pastor, a teacher, if you'll just use it, because that's what I care about more than anything else. Now, I instantly follow that prayer up with, God, if you can help me be really good and use it like that, like, I prefer that. But if, if, if the choice is suck and God uses it, I'll take that. God speaks to us when we take time out of our week, find a rhythm to gather together with other followers of Jesus to praise him, to pray, to sit under God's word, space to listen. The last thing, the last place that God wants to speak to us is everywhere. <laughs> All right, this is where God intends that we would hear him, right? The more we engage with God in his word, slow down to listen, engage weekly with the church, we begin to hear God's voice everywhere. 
while we're driving, when we're here, when we're there, we begin to hear God's voice because God, we're aware of his presence. We begin to take more time to try to listen. We, we turn off the radio when we're driving because you're like, oh, God's with me. I want to talk to him. So, all right, I'm done. Uh, Philip, would you come up here with me? So a lot of what I've learned about how to hear God's voice, I've actually heard and learned because uh, Philip has been my mentor for the last 20 years. Um, it's not just Phil, quite honestly. I feel like he's probably learned a ton from his wife. Hey, Austin, can you help me grab the mic? Um, it's not just, it's not just I, like, if I'm being honest, Phil, I love you, but your wife, I think, kind of kicks your butt in this particular area. Um, but you're great too, don't get me wrong, okay? Uh, I've heard Bonnie talk about when she goes shopping, one of the first things she'll do when she gets in the grocery store is simply ask, uh, God, is there somebody that you want me to buy something for here today? <laughs> Come on. Has, have you ever done that? No, I don't. <laughs> I look around, I'm like, how quick can I grab my stuff and get out of here? All right. Or if I'm at Costco, how many extra things can I put in my bag? Uh, I don't say, who can I buy groceries for? But that's, Phil's wife is just trying to be there because they have, over the years, learned how to listen to God's voice and found that what God says actually is what makes their lives flourish. So Phil, uh, when did this journey begin for you? Because if I, I know your backstory a little bit. Uh, I don't think you were raised uh, in a church that said, um, hey, God's spirit wants to speak to you if you'll listen. Maybe? I don't think so. Mine didn't. They just told me to read God's word. No. Uh, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, I grew up in a church where it said that uh, God spoke to pastors Aha. only. It's true. Uh, just kidding. It's not true. Uh, but it was really for me an, a, an experience of uh, distance from God uh, that I found that he spoke to me personally. Mm. In other words, uh, you know, I grew up thinking that God spoke to Abraham and Moses, Paul certainly, Peter, but I was uncertain that he would speak to me. Uh, and it came for a crisis, uh, torn a, a real crisis in when I was, what, what was the simply out of work. Uh, well, we came back from Africa after being in a... Um, uh, robbery and assault. Uh, so we were devastated uh, emotionally, spiritually, physically. Um, so I wondered, you know, does God speak? As it was as if uh, everything in our life had come tumbling down. Can, um, can you, so... Go ahead. Can you share a little bit more of, of what that was? I mean, a robbery and assault sounds like that could have been anything. Like somebody... Somebody pushed you against the wall and said, give me your money. Uh, it was not that. Well, no, it was um, a group of thieves, maybe 10 or 12 um, people that came into our home um, late at night while we were sleeping um, with the intent to rob. And uh, during the process, then they um, beat us physically. And so it was that... That's what time, brought you back to the States. That, right, brought us back to the States, and uh, for mainly for medical reasons. Um, but it was a time of, you know, is God there? And uh, then what happened, though? Because there was more to it than simply there were, there were 
severe medical issues that arose from that that had to be taken care of in the States, and then while you're back in the States. Correct. Um, so we're back, you know, we went through counseling, a year of counseling, um, uh, uh, trying to find God at that point, uh, feeling very distant from God, feel, feeling very forsaken by God. Um, so here I am as a missionary coming back, and uh, I am not praying. Uh, I, I went months without praying. I went months without uh, reading scripture. Um, and I came to a point where I had to say that, you know, I thought that the Christian life had to be more than what I was experiencing and what I was being told about. Uh, so that and then caused me to uh, ask questions of people and begin reading, particularly um, the uh, saints of old in some of their writings of how did they find God and how did they keep a relationship with him. And it was through that that uh, began that journey of understanding God as a person who wanted uh, to communicate with me as a friend. So as you're reading and you're thinking more like maybe God, God has more for me than just simply what he has in his word, which is a lot, but there's a more of a relationship. H how did you start to recognize what was God's voice? Well, I, you know, I began to listen to what other people have said and how they found him. How did I know personally that it was God's voice that was speaking to me? I think there are several characteristics of God's voice. Um, uh, first of all, his voice is very gentle mm. and very kind mm. um, and loving. Um, secondly, as you noted uh, can, this can morning... Can you hold that? Is that how you think of God's voice? I mean, I will admit growing up, I would, I would not have necessarily thought of as God's voice as mm -hmm. gentle and loving and kind. And yet, when I hear what God, when I actually stop and look at what Scripture says, I'm like, yeah. And maybe it's just because um, my dad's not a bad man at all, but my dad isn't always gentle, loving, and kind. And I'm scared to death of what my kids will probably think God's voice sounds like because way often it's connected to what their dad's voice sounds like. And this dad's voice doesn't always sound gentle, loving, and kind. How did you begin to recognize it as such? Well, I began to realize, you know, that I had to distinguish between God's voice and the devil's voice and my voice. Hmm. Uh, those are three th competing things that are in my spirit. Um, and so then recognizing that God speaks lovingly and kindly, and he speaks through his word. He's mm. not going to counter his word. And so then I began to listen for that voice within me. Um, you know, it's different for different people. It's different for me than it is for you. And I can't really sit here and tell you how to hear God's voice because God's going to come in a way that's unique to you and your personality and your being. 
Um, and that's why it, it takes time to learn the voice of God and mm. to know it's the voice of God and it's not myself and it's not the devil. So what do you do now to try to hear God's voice? Like, actually, like, what do you do? Well, in order to hear the voice of God, I have to give him space to yeah. listen. I have to have a desire to mm. want to hear his voice. Uh, it's like any other relationship. You know, if you want to communicate, that's the first step in that process, is I have to want to listen uh, to my wife in order to have communication. Once I then, then I use my ears to listen to that voice uh, and to know that it is God and not my voice. Okay, what do you do voice. though? I sit, I listen, I when? spend time. Like, what do you do? Like, what are you going to do tomorrow? Uh, I hesitate to give my things because I don't want to. I know, uh, but I'm trying to make you give your right, things because your I things are good. It, so that's why I'm. Yes. It's my thing, and I will share you, but I, I don't want to make it seem like it's legalism that everybody ah, has right, to right, do. Right, right, right. It's know. not the perfect formula. Right. Uh, for me, I in the morning, uh, I I do as you do. I before I get up out of bed, I you know it's the Lord's Prayer, Psalm 23, uh, and then I move into times of silence and quiet. So pretty much uh, every listen. morning before you get out of bed, you recite the Lord's Prayer, and then you recite Psalm 23. Correct. Yeah, that's just a practice that I have. And then it's spending time then listening to God. Uh, I use centering prayer, just 20 minutes of just sitting and listening to God. Um, but it doesn't have to be 20 minutes. It could be five minutes. You know, people are busy. It could be two minutes. But it's just devoting that time to saying, God, I'm here. I want to listen to your voice. If you want to choose to speak, and often he doesn't speak, and that's okay. Because I'll be back tomorrow, and mm -hmm. I'll listen. I'll be there. And again, I just say... It sounds like Mr. Rogers, didn't it, right there? Like, <laughs> and I'll be back tomorrow. And, but yeah. And, and, I, and, he, and he, sometimes he does, comes and he speaks. Uh, but it's more torn that, that I want to make that relationship with God something that happens during my whole day. You know, it begins there, certainly. But I, we want to, I want to walk with Jesus throughout my whole day. He's there. It's just that I have to make a, aware that he's there present with me and say, God, if you want to speak, I'm listening. Hmm. Okay. So I, I get in the car when I'm going someplace. I turn my, my radio off. <laughs> <laughs> and then I say, I let Jesus sit beside me right hmm. there. And we have a conversation and we just talk. What do you talk I about? Talk, he listens, he talks, I listen. What, what do you talk about? Life. What's going on in my life? Where, God, can I join you today in what you're doing? Where, where can I join you? What's the last thing that God told you that you've acted on? How's that for us? I didn't give him all these questions ahead of time. Well. And, and while you're thinking about that, I'm going to invite our, we're going we're gonna to sing a couple songs. I'm going to invite our band up because they're like, when's he going to invite Come on up, but what's the last one? Give me, the, give me something God said to you recently. Yeah, I, I'm wondering about Lent, um, and that's just been on my mind. And so God has come and said, uh, you know, you enjoy coffee. <laughs> uh, 
Did you tell him that's off limits? And, like, yo, yo, God, there's... And so I've heard that thing. God said, well, maybe that's an option. And mm. th then I said, but, you know, sometimes I, I need to move in the area of engagement in spiritual practices. Uh, and so uh, he came with another thought of saying, well, what about writing notes to people and mm. just encouraging me in this pandemic time? Mm. And then, you know, Torn, then as I'm listening to God saying this stuff, then God comes and says, but I want you to choose, mm. you know? He gives me the freedom to say, you choose what you want to do for Lent this year. And uh, here are two options. Mm. So let's do something time. together. Right, exactly. And so just so that some of you know what Lent is, some of you maybe, maybe don't, um, this Wednesday, Lent starts with Ash Wednesday. And Lent is usually a 40-day time that we, uh, as Christians, will often give up uh, something fast from something. And so when Phil talks about possibly coffee, he's wondering if God's maybe saying, hey, why don't you give up coffee for me and uh, learn to rely on my own spirit caffeine power? Is that a thing? I don't know if that's really a thing, but uh, to engage. Um, so one of the things that Phil taught me that I love, uh, and then I'm going to ask you to pray for us. Um, well, a lot of times when I go to God, it's because I've got things I need God to tell me, right? It's like, God, I'm here because I need you to answer this question. Like, come on. And Phil has uh, helped me over the years um, have this mantra. When we come to God, uh, expect nothing, receive anything. And that's hard sometimes because like, no, like I need to know about this. But God's often like, yeah, but will you trust me? You just come to enjoy my presence. And so I've learned over the years to say, all right, God, I expect nothing. Here, here's a question, but I, I expect that I'll receive anything. So whatever you have for me. And there's a beautiful, beautiful space that God often meets us in because it's about the relationship, about the conversation. Sometimes uh, the thing that I think I need God to tell me about, uh, there's something that's actually way more important, way better. And one of the reasons I think we're afraid to even invite God into that space is because we're afraid of what he's going to tell us. Like, oh, I like my life. He's going to ruin it. <laughs> uh, no, God's always, always for our flourishing. He's not always for our ease or comfort, but he is always for our flourishing. Phil, would you pray for us before we spend a little bit of time praising God for what he's done? Uh, our Father who's always present with us and the God who is closer to us than our breath right mm. now. We just make this simple request uh, that you would open our hearts and minds to hear you, help us to learn to hear your voice, and then quickly to obey uh, what you say to us. We receive your love. We receive your mercy. We receive your grace and your arms of love today because you have first loved us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Phil.